This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I love you. Glad you made it on a Wednesday to worship with us. If you're watching by online, bless you too. Glad you made it with us today. And you know, we were singing the song there about the goodness of God. And I had the opportunity to go to the bank on Monday and pay the entire mortgage off on this. Yeah, you can clap. And, and one's the goodness of God, but I also say thank you to all of you who've given so faithfully for years and everything. It, it was a joyful day, and I, I'll just share a little bit about what all was done there. The, the guy who uh, we went to the bank with, I looked at him and I said, you know, I, I really appreciate the, the risk you took 15 years ago because we, we hadn't been a church for that long. And so he really stepped out. Well, he, he said to me, he said, I, I've never shared this with you, but he said, you were the first loan that I ever made that was over a million dollars. And I said, I bet you were praying for me, weren't you? And he said, yeah, I was praying, man. They, they're going to make it, Lord. They're going to make it. And I said, so... And I, I really appreciate the opportunity. So he, he celebrated with us. He, he, said, he said, man, this is awesome. And so it was a really, really, really good day. So I, I say thank you again from my heart. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. You know, let me just share this and this. This may be my, my deal on tithes and offerings. When we started the church here, again, we were still living in Clovis. And so the way God did it, me and Shelly both continued working in Clovis. And so every Friday when we would get off, we would drive to Lubbock. And on Saturdays, we would do any counseling or meeting in pe with people. Then Sundays, we would preach. Then we'd go back home and rest and then go back to our other jobs. Well, we'd been heavily involved in the church in Clovis. And at that time, they were building their new facility so they had asked pledges for anybody that would give to their building fund. And so me and Shelly said, okay, Lord, we, we have honored you with our tithe and we're going to continue to honor you with our tithe. And so, Lord, what do you want us to do? And so, man, we prayed and the number that we both came up, it was really going to stretch us. Actually, I can tell you to the day, it was, it was $5,400 over and above my tithe. Well, when we moved and left that church, the Lord really put on our heart, you, you fulfill that obligation that you said. Fulfill it. So even though we weren't going there, we kept giving and we kept giving. And I saw the faithfulness of God that what we made happen for another church, God made happen for us. And I, I believe that for every one of you in here that sowed seed into that God, God's going to bless you, okay? It, it's something special when you do stuff for the house of God. So, bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and receive the tithes and offerings. Turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. So, it's been a happy day. Good, good week. I pray that over you too. Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read just verse number 5. Now, as you get there, I, I read out of the New King James a lot of times I'll quote other translations, and I've had people ask me, what do you, what do you speak? I speak out of the New King James, so this is what this is. Verse 5, therefore, put to death 
your members which are on the earth. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Now, when you go with me on this list, to me, it's a list of self-indulgence is what this is. So he says, put to death fornication, sexual sin, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, again, you've heard me say this now for about a month. I've been on this word covetous over and over. The word covetous needs, it means greed. I mean, I mean greed. You are, you are really desiring for wealth. And it, it, it overtakes you, this, this greed. But, but what I found out about in this thing called life, life is not measured by what you have. And I think a lot of times we have this thought, well, if I just have this, boy, I'd be so happy. You would for a little while. But remember this bumper sticker years ago. It said this, he who has the most toys wins. That's a lie, okay? That, that is a tale. Because what ultimately happens in this the, the Lord of your life is whatever or whoever sets the priorities in your life. And so when you step out and you learn to honor God, I'll tell you what it does in my life. It, it, it just destroys covetousness because it, it puts my life in order that I say, the first thing I do is I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor God before I pay my mortgage. I'm going to honor God. And so it, it puts me in, in a line that God loves for, for me to walk in. But it's interesting here that he started and he said, put to death. Put to death. You know what I realized that saying? You got to kill your flesh at times. You just got to kill it and say, uh-uh, uh-uh. And your flesh is a lot like mine. Sometimes my flesh, it screams and it cries and it says, I want this and I want that. I want it, I want it, like a little kid. But when I begin to come into this area of, of giving, God will move, okay? God, God is a faithful God. Yeah, there's one holy grunt. The rest of you will pray that you get truth tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. and. Lord, I thank you again for your faithfulness over your house here, what all you've done. Bless all the seeds that have been sown for the years in this area. And Father God, we ask right now through your grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that we walk out putting to death even the area of covetousness in our lives. And we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you got your Bible. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 8. We've been, we've been talking on areas of faith, so I, I, I love to hit the, the parables and the stuff that Jesus said, so the first one we'll hit tonight is in the book of Matthew chapter 8, but I, I begin to think about stuff today when I was preparing, and you know, our, our faith, I don't care who we are, our faith becomes stale when we quit looking to Jesus or the Word of God. And a biblical reference of that would be Hebrews 12, 2, where it says, looking unto Jesus, the author, the originator, and the perfecter of my faith. 
So, so something happens when I keep my eyes on Jesus and what he says in the word of God. It, it just stirs my faith up. And I know at times we, we put sometimes more value into what other people say. I know people that put more value into their denomination than they do Jesus. Let me give you a little nugget on that right there. The day you stand before the judgment seat of God, God's not going to ask you, were you a good charismatic? Were you a good Pentecost? Were you a good Methodist? Were, were you a good Baptist? Were, were you a good... Ca That's not what he's going to ask us, okay? And so I must come to the place where I put the word of God above everything. This, this is what God's word said. This is the significance of the word of God. Matthew 8, get your, get your pen out here, okay, and get ready to mark. Matthew 8, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, now we know through the Bible that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and that he grew up in the area of Nazareth, but Capernaum was defined as Jesus' hometown. And so when you study scriptures, it's amazing how many miracles that Jesus did in Capernaum. Now, if you were to look on a map and you would see the Sea of Galilee, it would be about as far north as you can get is where Capernaum was. So Capernaum was on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and right above Capernaum was where Jesus um, did the Sermon on the Mount. You know, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about tonight. I'm going back to Israel in my thinking here when I see Capernaum. So just give you a biblical. Jesus loved Capernaum. Man, something happened there. And so he's at Capernaum, and a centurion, a Roman military officer, came to Jesus. Now, again, the, the, the Roman soldiers were hated by the Jews because they treated them so badly. And, and so this Roman military officer, he comes to Jesus, and I'm just going to give you a little insight on this, what happens. Jesus, he, he welcomed it. He was okay with it. And, and I highlighted that to you and me tonight. Jesus likes us to come to him. He welcomes that. And so he came to him, pleading with him, asking for a miracle. Verse 6. And the Roman centurion saying, Lord. He, he calls Jesus Lord. He addresses Jesus as Lord. My servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And so he tells Jesus the problem. Man, he's, he's in pain. He's hurting. He, he didn't try to dodge the condition. He just flat out told Jesus, this is what's going on. And I think that's important for me and you to know. Jesus is concerned about what's going on. If it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to Jesus. If it's a little deal to you, it's still a little deal to Jesus. He cares. Verse 7, and Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. 
So my mind begins to picture all this. I, I believe the, the centurion had his, his uniform on. I believe he was probably dressed and outfitted in everything they would wear at the time. And, and so he comes to Jesus and he tells Jesus all this story and they're making eye contact him and Jesus looks at him and goes, I'll come healing. I'll come healing. <laughs> okay. And, and I get that. Like, just, I'm good. I'll come healing. Verse number eight. And the centurion answered and said, Lord. He, he addresses Jesus again by, by this covenant name. But Lord, but Lord. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I'm not worthy that you would even enter my house. Now, this is a high-ranking Roman soldier. And to me, you, you see the humility in him that says, I, I'm not worthy that you would even come into my house to come under my roof. But only speak a word. But, but only speak a word. You, you don't have to come to my house. All you have to do is speak a word. And so I look at this, and, and I, I think there's a, a teaching and a nugget in here for us. Speak a word. And when I speak a word and you speak a word... We highlight that with the name of Jesus. Who in Jesus' name? Who you ask in the name of Jesus? You ask the Father in Jesus' name. Remember Philippians 2, 9, 10, 11. He talks about the name of Jesus, the name above every name in heaven and earth and hell. And, and so he said, you just speak a word. And so now as believers, you remember what Jesus said to us? He said, man, everything that I died for, everything that I did, I, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give you the authority to loose and to bind. And we know when we do those things, you've got to do that in the name of Jesus. Just, just speak the word. Uh, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. So my heart is connected to my mouth. And what comes out of my mouth is a direct indicator of what's in my heart. So better stated with what I just said, if you want to locate yourself, just listen to what comes out of your mouth. And so something happens when, when my words line up with the Bible or Jesus' words. And then in, in Colossians 3.17, Jesus said this, or the Apostle Paul said this. He said, whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of Jesus. So if you're born again and Jesus is Lord of your life, Man, you use that name of Jesus. You use that name in honor. You use that name in reverence. I remember when I became a young believer and they started telling me stuff, I didn't know scripture. So man, I'm telling you, I use the name of Jesus all the time. It, it was like I had guns. Imagine, Jesus' name. That's all I knew. 
But I would see stuff happen as a young believer when I would hear that. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And if you get around me very much during the day, you'll hear me say, I say that all, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. When I walk through here and pray during lunch, I I tell you, it'd probably be shocking how many times I said, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So again, he says to Jesus, only speak a word and my servant will be healed. That's all you got to do is just speak a word and he'll be healed. Now, this centurion's faith is being revealed by what's coming out of his mouth. He said, you speak it, he'll be healed. Verse 9. For I also am a man under authority. This Roman, this Roman captain says, I'm a man under authority. I, I understand authority. I know how authority works. And listen how he's ex- he explains it. And I say to this one, go when he goes. And to another one he comes. And to my servant do this. And he does it. But I want you to think about something with just what he said. Authority does me no good unless I understand how to use it and I use it. You may understand or or have the thought, I understand the name, unless you put it into practice. So it's interesting, this guy says, I say to one, come, and he comes, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and I say to one, do, and he does. Why did all that take place? Because he gave the command, he gave the order, and you know what he was saying? I realize when a command is given in the natural, stuff takes place in the military, but he's telling us right here, he understands when Jesus gives a command in the spirit realm, stuff happens. Stuff happens. Even though I may not see it with my physical eye, it's stuff happening. So he says all this out of his mouth. Verse 10. And when Jesus heard it, when Jesus listened to what this man was saying, he he marveled. He was amazed. He was astonished. And Jesus said to those who followed, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I haven't found greater faith than anyone I've encountered in Israel. Now, I can take you back for the last couple of weeks. We've seen Jesus at times look at ones and said, ye of little faith. And we saw a week or two ago where he looked at some and says, do you have no faith? But this time, he says, I haven't seen one that has such great faith. So when I read all that, Jesus was was very uh, in tune to people's life. He knew what was going on, and he'd say, little faith, no faith. Great faith. So when I read this right here that he says great faith, you know what gets me? I got to figure out exactly what Jesus was saying here. I want to get a hold of this right here. 
because Jesus, he's got great faith. Great faith. So I go back and I look at everything that took place with him. He tells Jesus his problem. He tells Jesus the issue. And it's interesting here that Jesus says to him, I'll come and heal him. And then the guy gets over into the authority and says, you don't have to come. All you have to do is speak the word. That's all you have to do. And so then this centurion explains to Jesus how he understands authority. And so when Jesus looks, he says, man, that's great faith. That's great faith. Here's my thought on that. Great faith takes time. I, I believe you've got to develop, you've got to mature it, you've you got, you got to stay with it day by day by day. Great, great faith to me is a lot like a marriage. You don't judge the validity of a marriage by what happens in the first two months. I hope you don't. You don't judge the validity of a marriage within a year, two years, five years. Man, when you, when you see a marriage that has been a long, long, long time, when I see a marriage that's been a long, long time, I don't look and think, man, they are some lucky souls. <laughs> Here's your little nugget on that. You don't fluke a good marriage. Marriage is God's sense of humor. Some of you should have laughed at that. Because opposites attract, and then God puts them to marriage, he marries them, and then they, he, he gets up in heaven and he elbows Jesus and says, watch this, this is going to be a real good one. I get tickled because that's how me and my wife are. We're, we're extreme. But what happens with a good marriage? I believe this, it's this, it's very similar to faith. It's day by day by day that I make a commitment that I sold out, that when I said until death do me part, and so even in the area of faith, I'm sold out, I'm committed, I'm hanging on to, I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna keep allowing the word of God to develop me, and so I believe to a degree this, this is what's happening with this centurion, that he began to get a hold of something. Verse 11. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, when you read what he just said there, I, I shout, thank God. Thank God. Look, look what he said. Many, 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 many will come from the east, the west, the north, the south. Now, he's talking about eternity in heaven, that it's going to be global. It's just not a Jewish thing. And then he says this in verse 12, but the sons of the kingdom, whoo, the sons of the kingdom, many of the religious will be cast out into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many will be excluded because of their religious traditions. So I can't limit God by, by, by religion. But watch this in verse 13, what he says here. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, 
so let it be done for you. Now, this is interesting to me. How did he believe? Because Jesus said, as you've believed, so let it be done unto you. Jesus didn't say, because how I, he said to him, how you believe, so let it be done unto you. So how did he believe? Just say the word and he'll be healed. Just speak the word and he'll be healed. That was his faith. He spoke what he desired. He said, just speak the word and he'll be healed. And he ends this verse and he says, and it was his servant was healed that same hour. And so what I see there when it says his servant was healed that same hour, there's no distance in the spirit realm. I mean, when stuff happens in the kingdom, God begins to move. God begins to move. Hebrews 11 wants his faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So just because I can't see it with the natural eye doesn't mean it's not real. It's real when I get a hold of these things. Now, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I, I got a couple passages here that I just want to read you to stir you up a little bit where you begin to understand some things that I, I got I to stay connected to the kingdom of God. I got to stay hooked to Jesus. 1 Timothy 6 verse 11. But you, O man of God, or you who are God's man, flee, 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 run from these. Run from these things. Now, you got to go back and you got to look backwards and forwards in Scripture to see what he's talking about. But he says there's certain things you got to flee. And then he says, and there are certain things that you're going to have to pursue. The word pursue means you're going to have to chase after them. So when I see the word pursue, it's kind of like when I first started dating Shelly. I pursued her. I pursued her hard. I, I, I made that my aim. I, well, he says there's some things you're going to have to pursue. You're going to have to get caught up with them in your heart. Now, listen to what he says, pursue. Pursue righteousness. Woo, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I thank you I'm righteous. Godliness, which is holiness. Faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Now, I know I read those fairly fast here. But it's interesting that he said, we're going to have to pursue faith. P pursue it. The, new, the uh, new Living says, along with faith. I, I, I got to go along. I got to stay with, pursue it. Well, how does that look? The only way faith comes is by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you begin to see what he says with faith, Remember the Lord said this in, in uh, Mark eleven twenty three. Whosoever will say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea. And not doubt in his heart, but believe those things he says. He'll have whatever he says. Remember in that passage that in Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus told the disciples, he said, boys, have the God kind of faith. So something happens. I got to hear the word. Then I start speaking the word. And I start meditating on the word. I recite the word in my mind. And then I do it. Every bit of what I just said, you can go back into Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, and you'll see every bit of that line back up with it. And so when he says, you're going to have to pursue faith, think about it. Man, I, I got to get into the word. 
I get into the Word and God gets into me. And then something happens when I begin to speak the Word of God out of my mouth. I start saying what God says about myself. Verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. So fight with faith. The message is run hard and fast in the faith. The new living says fight the good fight of faith for the true faith. So when I see these words, fight the good fight of faith, why would it say that? Because we have an adversary or opponent, the devil, and he knows this, guys. He knows the Bible. Remember in Matthew 4, he would quote the Word of God and he'd say, this is what the Word says. And he would, he would twist the Word. But we have an adversary, an opponent, and he knows the Word, and he knows Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible. So he's going to stand in the middle of the road of your life, and he's going to try to uh, oppose you in any way to make sure you don't get into faith and you don't stay into faith. So when you see fight the good fight of faith, it's a fight, but it's a good fight. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good fashion in the presence of many witnesses. So when I begin to look at what Paul said in verse 11 and 12, he used verb after verb. He said, you're going to have to run. You're going to have to pursue. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to hold tightly. And then he said, you're going to even have to confess. So there's some things I'm going to have to do. It's not just going to come easy. You're going to have to do it. And like I said earlier, i got to stay with it. Stay with it over and over and over and over. Now, now turn one more chapter with me, right there to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. A lot of times scripture that I've memorized, I've memorized it to songs. And I used to say this about myself, to myself a lot of times. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the word of God is working mightily in me. Well, that's a, that's a statement of faith right there. No, no matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the word of God is working mightily in me. And, and just remember this, and the word of God's working mightily in me. The word of God is shaping me. It's, 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 it's re, renewing my mind to think in line with what God says. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, a clear conscience, as my forefathers or my ancestor did, as without ceasing. As without ceasing. I stayed with it and I stayed with it and I stayed with it. A, a, a perseverance. Stay with it, stay with it. I was asked this question, has there ever been things in your life that you've prayed for that you've never received? <laughs> I said, I got a whole list of those things. But I've never given up on them. I've never quit on them. I realize with God there's a timing thing. And, you know, as a parent, sometimes your children, they, they want something. 
Well, you know, you may have a six-year-old right now that he'd like a new, new Corvette. Well, that's a great thought. But you'd know if you got him a new Corvette, can you imagine the damage he'd do to your neighborhood? Well, I think sometimes in our lives when he asks Father God those things, sometimes then he looks and goes, oh, Lord, he's not ready for that. He'd tear the whole city up. And so, again, I, I just got to stay with it. Just stay with it. Faith, is a, it's a day by day. Fight the good fight of faith. I remember you in my prayers night and day. Now, this is Paul talking to this young pastor, Timothy, and he says, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith, the strong faith, the sincere faith, the honest faith. One translation says the rich faith. So he says here, I call to remember the genuine faith that is in you. And so Paul's remembering something within him, but when you see what he's talking about here, Paul's getting to a point saying, come on, Timothy, I've seen that faith is in you. So he goes on to say this, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. Grandmother Lois was full of faith. And your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Now that's a generational blessing right there. When you got a grandma and a mama that live by faith and that's passed on to you. And so he's telling Timothy here, man, that faith is inside you. It's still there. But he says in verse six, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Stir up faith within you. Stir up. Bring, bring back a remembrance of times in your life when you've seen God move, when you've seen God answer. Stir back up. And so guess what he's doing with Timothy? That's what he said. I'm going to stir that faith back up in you because I know what's in there. I know at one time it was a genuine faith. Why do I highlight that tonight? Because I believe that with, with a lot of us in this room. I need my faith stirred up. So I'm going to ask you, just, just stand up right there where you're at. And I believe God wants to stir within us that great faith like the centurion had. And if you've been in a place in your life where you say, man, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm, I'm struggling, I'm lukewarm. Well, welcome to the NFL who hadn't been there. But something happens when someone starts stirring and says, Stir that back up in there. And so I believe this in here right now, that, that some of you need to have, have a stirring in you that says, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm, 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 I'm going to pursue the faith through the, through the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you know right now, you say, man, my, my faith is dormant. My, my faith is not how it used to be. My faith is not active. My faith has been on vacation and you saying, man, I, I need a wake-up call. Well, why don't we just bow our head here? Father God, I thank you for your word. And just like through Timothy, man, he needed a stirring in his heart, Lord. And so right now, I ask that you stir within our hearts. 
Not, not just a faith, but a passion for faith. To, to serve you, to, to, to love you, to, to live our lives through, through your grace, your mercy, through your strength and your power. And Father God, grace us tonight to say, we're, we're going to fight the, the, the good fight of faith. And it may be a prayer that you say this, Father God, grace me that I'm in for the long haul. Grace me to develop and mature my faith. Grace me, Father God, to move in this area that's stirring on the inside of me. And we thank you, Father God, for your word again tonight. I I thank you that we welcome you to, to move here, Father God. And we give glory and Lord, you told us to walk by faith and not by sight. Grace us in this area. Help us, Father God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you can clap to the Lord. Still a process with me. And I can say this. I'm not where Jesus desires me to be, but I'm a lot farther along than I used to be. So guess what? I'm still growing. I'm still growing. And I, I want to continue to grow. And so I realize it, it's how well I pursue and I keep looking to God. And I pray this over you that you've, you fall in love with the Word of God. Where you read that by you say, Ooh, this is God's Word. This is God's instruction for my life especially in the times we live in. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.